Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to Total Information AM. I'm Megan Lynch. A decade ago, we were hearing predictions that the Internet was going to destroy the entertainment industry as we knew it. A new report contends that just the opposite has happened, that there's been growth in music, film, and gaming in large part because of the Internet. With me now, one of the report's authors, Mike Masnick, founder of the Tech Dirt blog and also founder of the Copia Institute. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about this. Well, I remember when KMOX got our first website, and all of us in the newsroom were asking, you know, why are we doing this? Is it (laughs) going to take away from our core mission? You know, is it going to kill radio? And now, obviously, the question we ask in this industry is, wow, what more can we do with this? So, you know, tell me the industries that that you looked at and the change that you've, you've seen over time with this. Yeah, I mean, we looked, you know, pretty broadly across a a variety of industries in terms of, you know, what sort of content was being produced, what sort of content was being consumed or engaged with in all different ways. So music, movies, television, radio, podcasts, uh, written works, books, uh, video games. So basically the the whole wide world of, of things that people consume for entertainment and for knowledge. What metrics did you look out for those? I'm sure it varied, but what kinds of things were you looking for to measure? Yeah, we were we were looking at almost everything. I mean, it started from this idea and this sort of belief that was going around that the internet was causing many of these industries to struggle or to to die in some cases. And so we wanted to look at what the data was. So we started, frankly, with the industry's own metrics and their own data in terms of you know how much money they were making, how many uh, you know different pieces of content, if you want to call it that, that were being produced. And then we sort of expanded from there. So we started to look at what people were spending on different kinds of content, where and how they were consuming the content, how they were engaging with it, and how that was changing over time. So it's a a wide variety. We, We really wanted to get sort of as big and wide a picture as we possibly could. Let's hone in on a couple of those. You know, first off, the, the the gaming and the music industries. You know, what have you seen there as far as, you know, revenue and people who are engaged? Yeah, so both of those have grown tremendously. I think those are, you know, in the report, the sort of two biggest ones. And the the music industry, I'll, I'll take that one first, because that was the one that was we were told most specifically was, was probably being killed by the Internet. And what we've seen is the exact opposite of that, that the Internet has really saved that industry. The industry has changed a lot. Uh, you know, obviously things went from, you know, the days of, 
CDs and records and tapes, uh, you know, to there was a brief period where you were buying individual downloads or people were buying ringtones to now really what has changed that market so much is Internet streaming and the ability to have Apple Music or Spotify has really brought that the, the recording side of that industry around so that, you know, where their revenue did drop for a while, it's gone way up. But more importantly to us, I think that, that we found in the report was that the amount of music being produced you know, exploded because now rather than having to book a studio and get a record label to, to finance that for you, which could be, you know, a hundred thousand dollars or more, people can record music themselves just on their laptop in their bedroom. And we're, we've seen this massive explosion of some tremendously wonderful music, and then they can also distribute it. Whereas before you had to get, you know, someone who could, you know, print records or CDs and ship them out to, to record stores around the country. Now you can just upload it to different services and and have it available around the world in in minutes, uh, maybe seconds. And so this explosion on both sides of the industry, the industry is making money, but also more content is being produced, more people are being are able to listen to it, are exposed to it, and can hear whatever they want at, at a moment's notice. Let's talk about movies and TV. In preparation for our interview, I was reading an article, I think it was from 2011, Guardian was saying that, you know, the film industry was going to just be killed by the Internet. What have you actually seen? Yeah, again, the opposite was true, that the the Internet has been a a huge boost for the industry. Uh, You know, a whole bunch of things have happened. You know, in the report, we very specifically put television and movies together, in part because the line between those two are beginning to blur, right? You have, you know, television shows that will go on for many seasons, or you have like miniseries and then movies or or sort of, you know, it begins to blur and it becomes more and more difficult to figure out what what is the difference between them. But the you know, the rise of streaming, again, similar to the music industry, has been a huge boost for that industry because it's opened up the possibility of, you know, more types of content being available. You can find the kinds of content that you want. You can subscribe to different services. You know, the rise of documentaries is just one example that has become huge that, you know, the market for documentaries barely existed, you know, except for very, very few previously, whereas now they've become a huge part of of the streaming universe. We look at the amount of TV shows and also movies that are being produced globally. And it's just gone up and up and up. And in part because there is this new distribution channel that was enabled by the internet. And so it's it's been a huge boost for that. And that, you know, doesn't even touch on the fact that during COVID when, when you know, box office revenue in theaters dropped you know, tremendously, uh, the streaming services really helped to save that industry and keep them afloat during during the, the uh, lockdown period of, of the pandemic. I'm talking with Mike Masnick. He's founder of Tech Dirt Blog and also founder of the Copia Institute, which is doing this research. We have to note, though, that this has not come without some pain. And, and I'm thinking of, you know, the story this week where CBS got massive viewership for the Super Bowl and then just a day later announced layoffs of hundreds of people in its Paramount division. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it is tricky, right? When, when things change, uh, you know, the, what sorts of jobs are there and how they change is a big challenge. And we do detail some of that in the report that, you know, some of the jobs have, have moved and what kinds of employment are available is changing. And some of that is, you know, the nature of, of, 
adaptation. And so there are lots of questions that are important about how do we continue to, you know, uh, you know, journalism, you know, being a, a one industry that is an example of this, that there there are real challenges for how do you fund and finance journalism in a way that is effective and that allows for important work to be done. And so I think that there are challenges, but the idea that, you know, the Internet has completely ruined you know, people's interest or desire or or demand for this kind of content just isn't there. So the the next step is going to be figuring out how do we make the business models match up with that demand for this kind of content. So basically, the groups that have learned to capitalize on this the most have done the best through this transition. Exactly. You know, a lot of it is looking at, you know, what is it that people want? How do we best deliver it in a way that that matches with sort of the the Internet mindset? What is it that people are expecting and how are they going to to get it there? There are ways to do that, but it's tricky. You know, if you've spent your entire life, you know, or, or you know, sort of industry's life, you know, built around, you know, uh, creating, you know, printing CDs and then shipping them out to record stores. It's a very different mindset to figure out how do we capitalize on the internet and streaming and the idea that the entire catalog might be available to, to people for $10 a month or whatever it might be. It's a different mindset. And so we're going through this period now, which is a struggle for certain certain companies or certain industries as they figure out how we best going to match it. But it's important to recognize that the demand for that content, the interest in that content, the ability of people to create that content and to distribute that content, you know, has become, you know, a, a bigger and more important part of all of this. It's just figuring out how to align those things. And historically, we've seen these kinds of shifts before, and eventually people do figure it out. It is a little chaotic in the, in the mix of it, but it does seem to work out. Mike, thank you so much for sharing some of your research with us this morning. Uh, sure, I'm happy to do so. That is Mike Masnick, again, founder of the Tech Dirt blog and founder of the Copia Institute. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.